today. It is really my joy to get to be with you guys this morning, to be able to bring word uh, this morning. And uh, as Pastor Chris said, last week we kicked off a brand new sermon series. If you did not get a chance to hear that message, I really encourage you. It was a powerhouse way to start off this series. Go back and take a listen to it. Uh, Pastor Chris really focused us in on what it means, the centrality of disciples of Christ to follow Jesus, as he said, which he unpacked as being with Jesus, obeying Jesus, doing the things Jesus did. And over the next several weeks, we are going to be looking at different things that can help us to do just that, to follow Jesus well. And uh, as Pastor Chris mentioned, we've entitled this sermon series Sankofa because we're talking about this idea of looking back in order to help us move forward. And we're looking at back at some things that over really the centuries, Christians have found helpful to strengthen our walk with God. And so that's what we want to do um, this morning. Uh, as we enter in, would you pray with me? Why don't we uh, begin with just a moment of prayer? Jesus, thank you so much for just this opportunity to gather, to receive from your word. As Pastor, as Pastor Chris just prompted us, we do pray, Lord, soften our hearts, open our hearts. We want to receive all that you, Lord, have for us from your word this morning. And we just love you and, and we want you, Lord. We want your ways. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so this morning, as we get started, again, we're looking at these different practices over these next several weeks in this series. Today, we are looking at the practices of solitude and silence. Solitude and silence. I see you all getting very excited about these <laughs> terribly riveting words, right? As we begin, I, I can't imagine not beginning by just at least naming the reality that I can't imagine two words that are more the direct opposite of New York City, right? Of its vibe and its culture than solitude and silence, right? I mean, this is our morning commute. We're on the subway. It's crowded. I used to live in Woodside. I took the seven train almost every day. I know the picture might be a little dark, but it's like, you know, the six train too. You're like, oh my gosh, you know? And it's not just on the subway that this is our reality, right? It's just, we're in a densely packed city. We live in small spaces. It's all of that that we encounter regularly. And on top of that, you know, when you think of New York City, both us who live here and those who are without, you know, you think of just the press of, of uh, kind of overstimulation. So things like Times Square come to mind, neon lights up to the sky, crowds honking, you know, it's just a sensory overload. And just the hustle and bustle of the city is in the air, being busy is in the air. It's just the norm. We are the city that doesn't sleep and we're proud of it. You know, <laughs> like that's our ethos, right? And so I just want to say that what we're going to talk about today, solitude and silence, things we might associate with, I don't know, the desert or being in the middle of the ocean, <laughs> like they are very countercultural to our society at large and in particular, maybe the vibe of our city. And yet God has so much, so much to speak to us about uh, profoundly about what we need in order to really have a life of thriving, a rich and full life that he desires to give us. And so let's turn to his word to see what he has to say. We are going to be going through quite a bit of scripture together today, just to foreshadow. But let's begin with this, what Jesus has to say here in John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5. He says to his disciples, Remain in me as I also remain in you. 
No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What does this passage have to do with solitude and silence? Well, let's unpack this together. And let's start today with solitude, right? Let's, let's start with solitude. As we think about solitude in everyday terms, we think about just being alone, apart from others. As we think about solitude as a spiritual discipline, a spiritual practice, we're thinking about being alone with God. Not just being alone for aloneness's sake, you know, but being alone with God so that we can give him our best, our undivided attention, our full focus. Okay, so when we talk about solitude, that's really what we're talking about, giving God our undivided attention. And what we see in Luke chapter 15, or I'm sorry, in John chapter 15, is that Jesus is... Um, really encouraging his disciples to be attentive, to remain connected with uh, himself and with God the Father. And he uses these words, abide, remain. And as we're reading this passage, it would be understandable if we kind of felt like those words have a bit of a passive vibe, like a branch isn't crawling around to find its connection to the vine. It's just there. It's connected. And so, you know, we might easily kind of mistakenly read this passage and just think, well, there's not a lot we have to do here to maintain this connection. Perhaps when we first decided to follow Jesus, we got connected, and now we just are connected, and that's just the state of affairs. But really, nothing could be further from Jesus's intent as you read this passage, right? Because if you listen to his tone, he's giving a command remain in me. Right? And it's not just any command. It is a command that he's giving his disciples right before he knows he's about to go to the cross and die and be resurrected. And then he will not be walking with his disciples on earth the way that he had been before. So he's got these vital kind of last moments with them. He's giving his disciples some critical commands. And one of them is this, hey, pay attention to your connection with me. Invest in that. Be proactive to make sure that you're maintaining that relationship, that connection with me and God the Father. When you think about it, this is really true of any relationship, that it requires some intentionality. I think of your favorite person in the world, your best friend, maybe you're really close with your siblings, significant other. It takes a conscious choice to pick up the phone and connect with them, update them, to make it a priority to attend each other's important events in life or go on a date night, right? But these are things we gladly do because we love this person. We want to stay connected. We don't want to drift apart. And that's how it is with our relationship with God as well, that it takes that intentional investment. I don't know about you, but you know, as we start our new year, it's hard to believe it's already the end of January, it feels like there are just dozens of good things that, and maybe some hard things too, that are pulling and vying for our attention, right, and time. And so, um, and some of them, you know, there are many good things like uh, work opportunities, our friendships, uh, you know, maybe the need to exercise, take care of our body, the need for rest, all valid things, clamoring for our attention, our time, our energy. Among all those things also is the Lord, the voice of God calling to us, hey, what about me? Pay attention. Could we, could we have time away together? Could, we, could you focus in also and create time and space just to give your, your best with me for our relationship to thrive? 
And um, what I think of it as is if you think of our lives as being like a long spiritual journey, on any journey, it makes sense that you'd be periodically, maybe frequently, checking in to compare where you're at against a map, maybe a compass. And if for us as followers of Jesus, due north, let's say that's our direction, due north is pointed straight at God. There's nothing coming between us and God. All our will, our energy, our life, our resources, our time are pointed at God and strengthening our relationship with him and going after what's his will in our lives. If that's due north, where is God perhaps gently inviting us? to make some course corrections, to just notice, oh, okay, here it might be veering a little. Here it might take some, some coming back to due north. Yeah? As God's kind of bringing that to mind and encouraging and inviting us in that way, the way I picture that invitation is it brings to mind some scriptures from the Old Testament. There's a book of the Bible in the Old Testament called Song of Songs or Song of Solomon. It is an epic passionate romance, and it describes a relationship between two individuals. Commentators have noted that it can it describes like a great human love relationship, as well as it describes a relationship between God and us, his people, between Jesus and us, his church. And so this is like the sound, what it sounds like as God is calling to us to, to give him this undivided time. Uh, this is from Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verses 10 and 13. It says, my beloved spoke and said to me, arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. The fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. If you can imagine, I mean, we don't often think of God this way, but if you can imagine God calling to you, wooing you like that, like a passionate lover, come away with me. Let's get away together. Leave all these other things behind, these other priorities. Let's just get away together, just us, right? And the anticipation of that, the delight of that, the, the desire towards that, that you'd have in a really fantastic romantic relationship where the other person is completely loving and faithful and strong and true. That describes the Lord and who he is to us and his heart for us. Come away with me, my beloved. He's enticing, he's inviting us. As we look at the life of Jesus, Jesus modeled for us what a perfect human life looks like when he lived here on earth. And what we see is he often does this. He often gets away and spends time just alone with his heavenly father. So we see throughout the Gospels, and the Gospels are uh, the parts of the Bible that kind of describe the biography, the life of Christ. We see scattered throughout the mentions of how Jesus makes it a priority to have this time away. So I'm just going to read to you um, several of them here now. It says, Jesus went out on a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God, Luke 6, 12. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place, Matthew 4, 13. After he had dismissed them, the crowd that he was teaching, um, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, Matthew 14, 23. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed, Mark 1, 35. He said to them, come with me by yourselves. Now he's talking to his disciples. He's teaching them what he himself is doing. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, Mark 6, 31 to 32. 
But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed, it says in Luke 5, 16. So we see these many examples, and um, it's funny, I just want to highlight, so Mark is the shortest gospel, the shortest recounting of Jesus' life, and uh, commentators note that Mark is kind of in a hurry, like he skips the whole Christmas story, right? he just dives right in to Jesus' adult ministry, no birth story, he's in a hurry to kind of get to the climax, Jesus' death and resurrection. But even Mark, right, a couple of the scriptures I just read to you were from Mark, even Mark is like, this I cannot omit. This I cannot skip. It is too important. I have to let you know this is how Jesus conducted his life. He regularly got away and found time to be alone with the Father. So if this is what Jesus needed, of course, this is what we need as well. And we hear the voice of the Father wooing us. Come away with me, my beloved. And and, and where are we maybe needing to course correct a point towards that due north? towards the Lord. Could we consider, as we start off this new year, and if we're not yet kind of regularly having this time, what it would look like to regularly commit to time where we're giving God our best, our undivided attention? And what would that look like concretely? When would that be? Early in the day, midday, evening, hopefully at least once a day? Right? And, and um, where might we be able to find that space? Is there kind of a corner that we know we could get off and not be disturbed midday? Is there a favorite spot in our home, a chair, or we could light a candle or whatever it is that creates that sense that's the space? What could help us to create and prioritize and protect this kind of time alone with God? I love how uh, Pastor Chris has mentioned in previous sermons how the famous evangelist John Wesley, his mother, in a house filled with children, <laughs> would just sit in a chair and put a handkerchief on her head, right? And that was, everybody knew, okay, I am now alone with God. <laughs> this is my space. And I think, I can't think of a more like apropos example in our, you know, constraints within New York City that it is always possible to find some way to create and to protect that space that's just dedicated to God. As we do this, I want to invite us to just recognize that the storms and waves of life will come, right? So uh, there'll be things that interrupt us. Uh, like, for example, this week, my son Joel uh, was home from school for a couple days because he was sick. And, uh, you know, Khan and I, my husband and I, we were not planning on adding, taking care of a sick child 24-7 to all the other things that we had going on and needed to get done. But that's just life, right? Maybe family comes and visits and it interrupts your rhythms or you get sick or whatever it might be. So these waves and these storms will come. And I want to invite you to picture yourself like a buoy. What's a buoy? It's like a big thing that floats on the water. Maybe it's out in the ocean. A big wave comes, it's submerging it. What does it do? It pops right back up again, right? Maybe it's rocking a bit, but it's right back up again. So as these storms and waves of life come, and I mean, I'm calling them storms and waves, but the things I just named, they're, they're everyday things that happen, right? And maybe they knock us off course, our regular rhythm for a night or a day, whatever it is. I want to encourage you to just pop right back up again and get right back in that saddle again. That, that I'm going to re-course correct. I'm going to point towards doing nothing. I'm going to keep pressing in towards God. I'm going to resume that rhythm. Because I think life is less about never getting knocked off course, or never having waves, being afraid of that. It's not about that. It's about how quickly we can just come back up again, pop back up like that buoy, and press in again, commit again, point towards due north again, and keep doing that over and over again, 
right? So picture yourself, amen, yes, <laughs> amen. Yes, so picture yourself like that buoy as often as it comes, just pop back up, press in, recalibrate, point towards due north again. As you do this, right, as you do this, uh, I want to encourage you that if any part of you is feeling like, okay, yes, it's true, I know it's good, I want to do it, oh, there's a little part of me, still a little slow, you know, a little bit of dragging my feet or whatever it might be, to just pray this simple one-sentence prayer. God, would you set my heart on fire for you? Set my heart on fire for you. Give me the gift of hunger, spiritual hunger for you. Make it so that my passion would be like this Song of Solomon verse. Come away with me, my beloved. And I'd have that delight. Let me tell you, that is a prayer God loves to answer. And it's such a simple prayer to pray. Just that one line. Set my heart ablaze. Yeah? Additionally, as we're, as we're considering this, as we're, we're seeking to give God this regular devoted time, if we're finding that maybe we're doing that already and we're feeling like, oh, I could use some livening up and maybe we're wanting to do it more wherever we're at. If we're feeling like, okay, my time with God is good, but it could use some spicing up. It could use some more life. Maybe it's feeling sometimes dull or whatever it might be. I want to now kind of shift gears and talk about the second thing that I really want to focus in on today, which is something that I think really could help to deepen and enrich our prayer lives and really increase the impactfulness of our prayer lives, which I think will also then increase our desire, right? Because if we're seeing impact, we're more likely to remember that, anticipate that, and want to make that time and space to say, okay, this, this is going to really form me, and um, I, it's something I want to invest, right? So um, what is what I'll call this secret ingredient that I think most, maybe all of us, could use more of in our prayer lives? Drum roll. It's like Iron Chef. What could it be? Silence. <laughs> Silence. Yes. Okay, you're not surprised, right? Because I opened this sermon series by saying we're talking, or this sermon today by saying we're talking about solitude and silence. But, but I want to name, you might be quite surprised because it sounds crazy. Okay, like I just want to name that. Like, you know, if you're in a friendship with someone, you're like, oh, my best friend, I don't know, it's been feeling a little dull lately. You know what I think we could use more of? Silence. You know, like, or like, you know, with your like spouse, you feel like, oh, things are a little dry. We've got to spice things up a bit. You've been married a while. Yes. What would really help is more total quiet. You know, like you know, said no one ever, right? And so, so if you're feeling like, okay, um, what are you talking about, Denise? What in the world? You know, are you off your rocker? I totally get that response. Hang in with me, all right? Let's look together at this. Why is it? that this could be a secret ingredient, a thing that we could use more of that could really enliven our life with God. Let's look together. Let's start by looking at just even the definition of silence, like we did with solitude. When we think of silence in everyday terms, we think of eliminating distraction and noise, right, externally. When we talk about silence as a spiritual discipline, we're really talking about not just turning down external noise, but turning down the internal noise as well, dialing down the internal volume, interior silence. Because how many of you know you could be in a room that is absolutely quiet, you could hear a pin drop, it's that quiet, but inside the volume is like through the roof, it's raging, it's deafening, the press of thoughts and anxieties and to-do lists and all the things that are going on inside, yeah? 
can be kind of chaotic. And so we're talking about, when we talk about silence, we're talking about really turning down the volume on that. Of course, turning down external volume is helpful because if there's a lot of stimulus, it's hard to dial down inside. But uh, again, when we talk about silence as a spiritual practice, we're really seeking to enter into greater interior silence. I want to propose to you, have you ever considered that if you ever feel like your time with God is feeling a little dull or boring, that maybe it's because um, if you picture your, your dedicated time with God, like going on a date, it's as if you start the date and you start talking, da -da 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 -da. monologue, right? Big monologue, it keeps going, and then you finish your monologue, you leave. That's the entire date. It's like, how unsatisfying would that date be for both people? You know, like, and it would be kind of boring because you know what you have to say already, right? There's nothing happening that's, that's causing interaction or change. So I want to propose to you, as we commit to having these times with God that are, um, you know, these regular focused times, we're giving him our full attention, that within that time, could we also commit that some portion of that time with him, we will try to move towards interior silence and essentially like taking our hands off the steering wheel of what's going to happen during that time with God and giving God space to now be the one who's driving in that time and doing what he might want to do with that time. Now, I want to say, you know, I don't know about you, when I come into prayer, often I uh, come with a lot of stuff on my mind, you know, anxieties, questions, uh, complaints, whatever might be going on. And God welcomes us to pour that all out, and he's happy to, to meet us where we're at. So whether you want to start your time with God with silence or whether you want to move into that later, I want to say God welcomes it all. So, um, you know, we see in Scripture that uh Praise, thanksgiving, prayer requests, you know, our needs, even our, our troubles, our worries, you know, all of it is welcome. He wants all of us. He welcomes us as a father welcomes a child. So we can pour out our whole hearts. We see that richly in scripture. And alongside that, along with that, as God's meeting us where we're at, could we also commit to, again, create this space where we're moving towards this interior silence? where we're creating space and not just filling the entire time with da, 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 our own monologue, right? If we commit to this, I want to propose to you that there are some major benefits that can come from this, and there are at least three that I want to talk about today. The three things that um, I'm going to name are things that will not necessarily occur every time we move to interior silence, that all three things would occur, but these are things that commonly would be benefits and that may occur, all right? So the first thing that I want to talk about as we move towards this kind of space of silence, if you picture being with God, you're pouring out your heart, and now you're dialing down, taking your hands off the wheel. In that space of silence, one thing that can happen is that some things start to emerge from deep inside us. that We didn't realize maybe we're there or we weren't paying as much attention to, that we become more aware of what's going on even within ourselves. There's this greater self-awareness. So maybe we realize, I'm really sad about this thing. I'm grieving. Or I'm really tired. Or I'm angry still at this person, you know? Or um, I'm feeling really guilty about something. Or I have this deep longing. Or whatever it may be, these things start to emerge. There is a, a pretty well-known contemporary Christian author named Ruth Haley Barton. She describes it like this. She says, our souls are kind of like, like a shy deer. 
And it need, we need like a certain amount of quiet and safety for things that are going on in us to kind of emerge into the light. Right? And so, um, you know, again, it may not always be easy, but it will definitely be good uh, because so often there may be things that are going on we don't even realize. Because, you know, if you're wondering what's the difference between this and what we were just talking about, the kind of monologue we bring to God, you know, what we want to discuss, some of the differences are, A, the things we talk about are the things we're conscious of, right? So they're not things that we're not yet aware of. And then two, it's what's our agenda, Right? The things that we're like, hey, so often we come to God, we say, oh, God, here's what I think we should talk about. And also, here's some tips and ideas for what I think you could do you know, <laughs> about them. Right? So, so often, that's kind of characterizing our time with God. Here, as we quiet down, as we take our hands off the steering wheel, we're allowing things to emerge that we may not even have realized. Like, oh, I thought I was OK with this. I said I was OK with it. I really want to be OK with it. I am not okay. <laughs> like, I'm not, I need to deal with this thing still from this morning or yesterday or maybe 10 years ago, whatever it is. So there are things we're not even aware of. And there are things that we just, they're not on our agenda. But God's like, hey, could we look at this? Right? There are things where if you picture um, our heart like a home and God's coming in and communing with us, I think so often for all of us, we tend to invite God into like our tidied up living room. You know, we say, sit here, let's chat. Let's chat about these specific things. But do not go to the basement. Do not go to the attic. That place is a mess, you know? And like, and like so we're, and sometimes it's not just that we don't want God to go there. Like, we don't want to go there, you know? So it's as if in, the, in our heart, there are these rooms, some are open to God, and then some are just locked. Like, we don't want to go there, or we don't want God to go there. But God is like, no, 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 no. I want all of you. I love all of you. Every single part of you deserves to experience my love, to hear from me, to know my touch, receive my truth, receive freedom and connection. Often those rooms that are locked, that we're either not aware of or we kind of tried to lock away, those are often the very places that we need God's touch the most. You know? And he can then minister to us and speak to us in the way that he alone knows exactly how. What happens for many of us if we don't create this kind of space? Right? For many of us, again, back to the environment of New York, hustle and bustle, go, 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 lots of stuff to do, lots of fun to be had, distract, distract, uh, maybe numb, you know, Netflix, TikTok, whatever it might be. Okay, now it's time to sleep. And that's the only time, right before sleep is the only time we're turning down. We're consciously like, okay, now I don't want to be thinking about a ton of stuff because I want to sleep. And it's like in that space where we're trying to finally be kind of silent and still, is when that shy deer of our soul is like, oh, there's space. Hey, there's this really important thing that you should be thinking about. You know, Hey, did you know that this thing, it still needs processing? And let's look at it. And meanwhile, you're like, go away. You know? <laughs> like, be quiet. I just want to sleep. It's so aggravating. You know? It is the worst possible time for those things to come up because we're exhausted. We don't have any bandwidth at that point to be processing something significant. We just want to sleep. If anything, it may be just raising anxiety for us because you know, now we're afraid of losing sleep. And so it's just like not a great way to go. Um, uh, so how much better right, would it be for us to create intentional time and space for these things to emerge. And not just 
when we're by ourselves and, you know, just having to now deal with these things, but when we're in the presence of the lover of our souls, of one who's so much greater than us and wants to tend and care for us and speak to us on all these things and bring what we need in these areas that we would create that space, that it wouldn't be that the only space of stillness and silence is right before sleep for us, right? There was a recent uh, NYU study that said that, um, it was like a medical study, it said that over 40% of New Yorkers report problems with sleep. I'm so not surprised by that. I wouldn't be surprised if it was higher. Again, we're the city that doesn't sleep. We don't really value quiet. And I just wonder, I mean, I really think like um, our lives with God would be so enriched and our, our sleep might be better, you know as we create this kind of space. And then this naturally brings us to the second thing, the second benefit, I think, that comes from dialing down, creating this kind of interior silence, which is that as we, again, kind of quiet down, stop the agenda and flow of our own talking, take our hands off the wheel, there's opportunity for God to now do what he desires, and we, space has been created to receive. And now God can do what he wants with this time, and he knows exactly what we need. He might uh, bring a sense of peace or his presence. Maybe a scripture comes to mind that's just what we need. I want to encourage you, uh, if you haven't yet, uh, to put on your calendar to come to our extended worship and prayer sessions, or if you have, even if you have been coming, to put that on your calendar for on a regular basis. Every second Sunday of the month, after the second service, you stick around, because during that time, we have the opportunity to go much deeper, um, theologically and in scripture and practically, into how to engage and um, really grow in this part of our relationship with God, more time than what we have this morning to go with. Uh, so I encourage you to do that. This morning, I want to uh, just circle us back to uh, the scripture that we started with from John chapter 15. Uh, as Jesus tells us to remain in him and to abide in him, just a couple verses later, verse 7, he says it again, remain in me, and he adds, and let my words remain in you. That word, word, there in the Greek is rima. And it refers to God's revelatory word, his personal word, his, his um, movement to, to minister to us. Uh, logos refers to scripture, the complete, revealed, perfect truth of God and Jesus who embodies that truth perfectly. Rima refers to God speaking personally, taking that kind of uh, universal truth and applying it to the details of our lives, speaking lovingly and personally to us. And that's the word that Jesus says we need, that we need to have remain in us, we need to be abiding and we need to be receiving on the regular. Let me tell you, it is, um, if you're looking for your prayer life to be richer and more impactful, let me tell you, it is not usually our words to God that are the most memorable part of a time of prayer. It's God's words to us. It's what he brings in response to us. And he knows exactly what we need, whether it's a scripture he brings to mind, whether it's a, a, maybe a phrase from a, a worship song that's just what we needed, a sense of his presence. A lot of times um, it could even be the Holy Spirit whispering something that's even just simple, like, like trust me, I love you. And it is so different to receive that from our living, loving God than for it to just be this, you know, abstract concept, right? Often it's something we know already intellectually. We have heard. We've heard it at church. We've seen it in scripture, wherever it might be. But it is so different for it to be this idea than for us to relate with God who is real and exists and has a mind of his own. And we are privileged to be able to actually relate with. 
And as he speaks with us, as he brings whatever it is that we need in that moment, that has the, that's really where the rubber meets the road. It has the potential to transform us and form us. Right? That's where our hearts could be renewed. We could experience peace, a shift where we gain hope. Our hearts are softened to love. You know, whatever it is, truth comes in. Whatever it is we're needing, he can bring that as we give him control and the opportunity to minister in the way that he knows best, you know, exactly what we need. So that's also something that can occur as we dial down. And um, the third thing, that brings me to the third thing that uh, can occur as we kind of dial down the interior volume. So as we seek to give God our, our undivided attention, as we dial down our interior monologue, we become more aware of what's going on in us. God also then has opportunity to minister to us and we can receive whatever he might want to do, his agenda. And as we dial down that interior monologue, that flow of thoughts, as we take our hands off the steering wheel of our interaction with God, we enter then into a space of stillness. Silence can help us to get still. Um, and there's a scripture from Psalm 46, verse 10, where God says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. That word be still, that verb in Hebrew, actually means release or let go. And the context of this psalm is God um, speaking to the nations. They're raging against them, and he's saying, hush, be still, recognize I am God. Know that I am God, you are not and that is a praiseworthy situation. It's praiseworthy, yeah? There's something about us getting silent where we're relinquishing control, even in our like, interaction with God, our prayer time, that gets us in touch with the reality that we're not really in control in general in life. There are many things that are important to us that we're not totally in control of. We live life as dependent beings. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have any agency. Like we see throughout scripture, you know, Jesus calls us to follow him. Even when he tells us to remain and abide, there's activity we're called to that is healthy and good. So we're called to healthy activity. And equally alongside that, at the same time as that, we are called to not only recognize, but actually embrace the reality that we are not in control. There is so much that's important in life we do not control. We live life as children dependent on a parent. And it's only as we stop kind of kicking against that, like an unweaned child, oh, you know, it's not who I want it to be, you know. And, and not only accept that that's true, but also embrace it and rest in it and say, well, there is one who is in control and he's good and loving and trustworthy. There's a surrender that comes. It's only as we surrender that then there is this breakthrough of peace, of freedom, of contentment that can come, that God longs to give us. But it only comes from this state of really accepting reality. Accepting, not in a negative sense, but just in a very accurate sense that we are small compared to the universe, compared to the Lord, right? And that that's okay. It's actually even good. We can rest. We can rest in the arms of our Heavenly Father. There is a psalm that captures the 
the peace and the freedom that comes as we enter into this space of stillness and surrender. I'm going to read to you the psalm in its entirety because it's very short. It's only three verses, Psalm 131, and here's what it says. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, but I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. There is a longing in every human heart for this kind of safety and security and peace. Sometimes when I'm anxious, I'll go to my husband, Khan, and I'll say, honey, can you just give me a hug and tell me everything will be okay? <laughs> you know? And he does it. He hugs me. He tells me that. I feel a little better. You know? At the same time, we both recognize in that moment that neither of us actually has control you know, and knows exactly what's going to happen. Only God knows that, right? And so yet, you know, we, we look for this. We, we long for this sense of knowing that we could just be and that we're okay. There's safety. We're loved. We're okay. Things are okay. And we look for it. We often, from a significant other, maybe from family and friends, and I think for many of us, most of us, we also look for it from our circumstances somehow aligning perfectly. If only everything could just finally all get into place, then I could rest. I could relax. I could just be and know that I'm okay. Things will be okay. Maybe if it's my bank account gets to the right level, whatever it might be that we turn to. But if we look for this contentment that we long for, out of all these other things, we will be chasing it forever. Because in this life, the only space that can actually offer us this kind of security that we long for is the embrace of our Father, is the surrender, the acknowledgement of saying, you are God and I'm not. I'm not in control I'm like a child, and a baby doesn't have control over most of the things it needs, and yet it can sleep. Why? Because it's held by one who is greater and perfectly loving. In our case, perfectly loving, our heavenly mother, father, embrace. So as we enter this space of interior silence, we can uh, come to this place of greater stillness within and surrender, where we can then know this, this incredible comfort, peace, and freedom that God longs to give us, but it only comes from that surrender, from that stillness. Okay, well, we've covered a lot of ground today, and what I want to do now is um, resource us also in a practical way, right? And uh, so I want to just, and the worship team can come up if you'd like. Um, so uh, as you came in, there is a two-page um, resource that you should have gotten. If you didn't get it, uh, you can raise your hand, and uh, Steve could help uh, give you a copy. There's more available in the back. And I also want to highlight to you that it is a digital resource as well. So you can get it electronically on our website. Simply go to top-level menu, 10 days. Scroll down to prayer resources, and then within those resources, it's currently the first one listed, contemplative prayer practices. Additionally, did you know... Did you know that um, 
we actually have resources available on our website year round, not just during this time of moving towards the 10 days in Easter, but um, we've got um, resources. If you go to the top of the menu, again, click resources, and then you can see underneath that um, Bible study, prayer, fasting. And if you click on prayer, then from there, you can come to um, a list of resources. Again, it's the first one listed, contemplative prayer practices. Now, within this resource, you'll see that there are four different practices listed. Uh, some of these are things we've covered in other settings. So I'm not going to run through all of them right now. But um, these are things that I want to encourage you to really give it a try, okay, this week and uh, as well as over the course of this sermon series as we move towards Easter and beyond. I hope these can become part of your toolkit that, um, that can strengthen your walk with God. All of these um, exercises are things that could help you um, as you create that dedicated time with God, where you're giving him your best, your focused attention, to also create that space of interior silence and move towards it. These are just some different great ways to create that space. All right. And today, as we uh, begin with it, I'm going to uh, just lead us through one of those exercises. Um, I want to say also, you know, again, in keeping with our sermon series, Sankofa, looking back in order to move forward, that many of these practices are actually practices that have been practiced for many years, if not centuries, by Christians, and have been shown to be things that are really helpful in strengthening our walk with God. So again, that's why I hope you'll check them out this week. There's just four, so you got seven days. You can check them out, and over this time, the season leading into Easter and beyond, that it'll just become part of something you can reach for to continue to enliven your life with God, right? All right, so just to recap where we've been today, and then we'll move into one of these practices. We've been talking today about solitude, creating time and space concretely. What would it look like? What time might we take? Where might we go? Uh, to create this space where we're giving our full attention to God alone, and as we're doing that, we're thinking of ourselves like a buoy, like just popping back up, recalibrating, keeping on pressing in towards that true north of the Lord. We're praying God increase our hunger. And as we're doing that, we're committing to also create this space of interior silence where out of that, we can come to know ourselves better. There's increased self-awareness. We can receive from God. We can move towards stillness and surrender. All right, so with that said, I want to now, I would be remiss if we spent all this time talking about this and didn't actually just take some time to be with God, who is here with us right now, and just to take some time out to enjoy him and to be with him. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to um, uh, have us uh, begin uh, with the, just that first exercise that's on that sheet, the palms up, palms down exercise. For this, I'm, it's very simple, and I'm going to walk us through it. So you don't actually need your sheet right now. It's just for you to have as you go home. So you can go ahead and set it aside so that you can just fully enter in and receive. And I want to invite you to just get into the comfortable position. And if you feel comfortable, you can close your eyes. Maybe take some deep breaths. And as you do that, just turn your attention to God, who is here with us. And if you feel comfortable, I want to invite you now to lift your hands. You can lift both hands just into a comfortable position as you're seated. 
And then turn your hands so that it's, uh, your palms are facing down. Now they're facing the floor in a gesture of release. And just picture now, releasing before God all your cares, your worries, whatever's on your heart and mind today. Picture that you're leaving it at the feet of Jesus. You're letting go. And as you do this, if there are any specific things you want to release, you can just in your heart pray to the Lord. God, I'm I'm letting go of my anger, my colleague. I'm releasing my anxiety about my doctor's appointment. I'm surrendering my worry about my bills. I'm laying down before you my frustration with work whatever it might be, just release before the Lord now. invite you to now turn your hands facing palms up in a gesture of receiving, a posture of receiving from the Lord whatever you need. And again, if there are any specific things that come to mind, if you want, you can pray in simple words. God, I'd like to receive love from my colleague. I'd like to receive peace about my doctor's appointment. I'd like to receive patience or joy, whatever it is that you are needing. Receive from the Lord. And now as we have centered ourselves on God, shared our hearts with him, let's take the next minute or two now to just commune with him, just abide with him, and receive his love, rest in his love. During this time, we're we're no longer asking for anything, we're just, just resting and being with him. During this time, if any impressions or directions come, that's fine. And if not, that's totally fine as well. Let's just take this time now to be with the lover of our souls, to rest in his love.
Jesus, we thank you so much for you yourself, Lord. You are all our hearts longing, Lord. You are all that we desire and need, Lord. Lord, help us to um, just, in your wisdom, Lord, know how we might carve out regular and protect regular time and space to be with you like this, to receive from you the living God, to give you our best, our undivided attention. When might that be? What might that look like? Guide us, Lord. Inspire us, Lord. And ignite in us, Lord, a fresh hunger and passion for you. Set our hearts ablaze for you, Lord, that we would love you like no other. And, and truly our passion for you would be, would be just the greatest, the first in our life, Lord. Give us the gift of, of hunger, Lord, for you. Increase, Lord, our desire for you. Help us to, to hear your invitation, your wooing, to come away with you and to respond with a resounding yes and to keep course correcting and just popping up again whenever the waves of life come, to keep pressing in towards you, our true north, Lord, with all that you've given us, Lord. As we do that, Lord, we thank you that we can commune with you, our loving, living, amazing God. And we pray, Lord, help us to do something that for us can be kind of hard to move towards, which is to quiet down within and move towards those spaces of interior silence, Lord. As we do that, Lord, we give you permission. Bring up within us whatever it is that would be beneficial for us to be aware of, for us to process with you. And Lord, as we do that, we turn and we give you space, have your way to minister what you desire to us, Lord, to speak the words of life that only you can speak, to bring your truth, your power, and your freedom, Lord. And God, as we do this, we pray, Lord. Um, we surrender and we pray, seeking your Holy Spirit, your help, to move toward stillness, to move toward surrender, Lord, that we would be increased in our ability to trust in you and rest in you, in your goodness, in the knowledge that one who is so much greater than us loves us perfectly and has got us cradled in his arms. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to invite you uh, now to stand if you're able. Um, we're going to enter into a time of response and worship. And we want to invite you during this time, if there's anything that's come up for you out of the sermon, anything you've come in with today that you'd like prayer for, or as well as the words that we shared at the beginning Lord, uh, of this uh, service, if any of those resonated, that this is the time to go back and to receive prayer. Let us stand with you. We'd love to pray with you. Would you join us now um, as we worship God?